0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host of this show, Nicholas Falato, and football is back, baby. We just had week 1 Action, watch the Rams take on the Bears. Rams look really, really good with Matt Stafford. That game just ended. But first, I want to touch on the New York Giants. Just abysmal 27 to 13 loss at home to the Denver Broncos, a team that was 5-11 last year. And I get it. Teddy Bridgewater is their quarterback. And maybe I won't spend too much time on this game just because I will be talking about it on the Chris and Joe show as well. Because this podcast is more about just the brief happenings of everything else that's going on in the league. But this was a dismal, dismal look for the Giants team in general. The offense looked unimaginative again, uh, just kind of resembled the 2020 Thirty first ranked offense in yards and scoring, which was also put on display by basically the Giants only putting seven points up throughout the game. A garbage time rushing touchdown by Daniel Jones at the end made the game twenty seven to thirteen. But it wasn't competitive for much of the game. At least it didn't feel competitive, despite the fact that it was a one score affair up through the third quarter, about midway through the third quarter. But the Broncos made a lot of offensive mistakes and the Giants defense was opportunistic punching the football out of Albert O's hand it was a great play by Logan Ryan that happened in the red zone but the Broncos also dropped a deep post touchdown on blown coverage by a Dory Jackson KJ Hamler has to hang on to that and you kind of knew the bottom of the ship was just going to fall out because the Giants just did not show up today like the Denver Broncos did the Giants on third down while on defense, were getting picked apart, and when they did come up with stops, they allowed fourth down conversions. Credit to Vic Fangio and his coaching staff for being very, very aggressive against the New York Giants and picking up those fourth downs. Credit to Teddy Bridgewater and Pat Shermer as well. I thought Bridgewater found a very, very good rhythm against this Giants team. The Patrick Ram defense, we've been talking about it all offseason, their ability to possibly play man coverage at an extensive rate in 2021. Now, they attempted this against the Broncos against a quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater who isn't Pat Mahomes, isn't Justin Herbert. He is a solid, respectable NFL quarterback, but he picked apart the Giants man coverage. James Bradbury was caught chasing Jerry Judy, was caught chasing Cortland Sutton, so was Adoree Jackson. These tight ends, Noah Fant and Albert O, Big Albert O, Albert Ogwebenom, they destroyed these giant safeties in man coverage and it wasn't necessarily because the coverage was terrible it was just the timing and the rhythm of the quick passing game of Pat Shermer and Teddy Bridgewater was so on point and the secondary couldn't cover long enough to allow the pass rush to get in and the pass rush wasn't getting in quick enough to mask the secondary's deficiencies. So the defense, the fact that they played just an astronomical amount of snaps, 66 snaps, and it was like 62 up until a competitive point in the game when that Melvin Gordon 70-yard touchdown rush transpired... And then after that, the Broncos took their foot off the pedal and the Giants got about 95 yards on those last two drives of just absolute garbage to make the 420 to 314 disparity look a bit more respectable, but it really wasn't. Denver possessed the ball for the majority of the game, 35 minutes to 24-52. But again, a lot of that came in the fourth quarter for the New York Giants offense. This New York Giants offense couldn't sustain drives. Again, they got bottled down. They hit a big 42-yard catch to Darius Slayton on the opening drive and then had an end-around to Kadarius C- Tony go nowhere. A halfback draw gets stuffed. And then an incomplete pass that forced a punt after a huge explosive game. Now, the offensive line, it couldn't generate any push at the point of attack. It was an issue for the Giants in this game, something that we didn't necessarily think was going to be the issue with this offensive line. We speculated that the issue was going to be pass protection. Now, the Broncos had two sacks in this game, both by Von Miller, one against Nate Solder, where Von Miller just used two-hand punch to bench-press Nate Solder to the outside to get an inside rush on... Daniel Jones to get that sack, and then the other one was where Matt Parrott did not even get out of his stance, and Von Miller got probably one of the easiest sacks of his career by just cornering into the cornerback with nobody impeding his way because Parrott didn't hear the snap happen. Now, those two sacks aren't great, but... If we're going to be positive, Ben Bredesen played more snaps than Shane Lemieux, and he actually looked pretty competent out there from everything that I saw. Now, I do not have access to All-22 as of right now. I hope to get it soon, and there will be clips on the site if that's the case. And Andrew Thomas. Now, he wasn't going up against Bradley Chubb, but Andrew Thomas also looked respectable in this game. It seemed like he was getting enough depth in his sets, and it also seemed, now again, this isn't All-22, but it seemed like he was square to his target his feet and his hands were working in unison and he was playing with confidence little things that we saw down the stretch of last season that were kind of coming up in this game against Malik Reed a solid pass rusher had about 36 pressures last year but no Bradley chuck So I think that's important to note as well. But again, if we're just going to give an overall synopsis on this game, the defense was underwhelming, did not live up to the hype that we expected coming out of 2020. But then again, they were probably fatigued a lot down the stretch. But just not being able to get off the field on third and fourth down killed that defense. Offense did not see the field nearly enough because the defense couldn't stop the Broncos offense and because they can't sustain their own drives because they're an inefficient unit I thought Daniel Jones was solid in this game. I thought he had a couple impressive throws. I think the third and eight play where he identified the matchup of Sterling Shepard against Josie Jewell and then fired to convert for a first down that was a solid play I think from pre to post snap he had a couple plays where you're like okay he's getting it he's putting it together but the frustrating thing about Daniel Jones is the roller coaster of Daniel Jones the highs are not as high as they should be and the lows are lower than they have to be and we also saw that happen when Daniel Jones just locks on the targets he didn't throw an interception in this game but he easily could have thrown two That one play in the red zone where he locked on to uh, Saquon Barkley coming out of the backfield on a wheel route. Route I love. I love the concept. It draws coverage to Saquon Barkley, hopefully opening up coverage underneath to the other receivers, possibly the tight end, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, what have you. But instead, his eyes go right to Saquon Barkley. There's three Denver Broncos defenders right there, and he fires the football in there. And it's dropped. It's not an interception, but it damn well should be. He needs to get better from that pre-to-post-snap processing, from what he sees. He can't get locked onto one read. He has to be able to come off that. He didn't do that that much at Duke. It's a much more simplified offense, half-field reads, RPOs, put a defender in conflict, whatever that defender does, do the opposite. But he's struggling to get past the progression portion or when to come off of his primary read in this Jason Garrett offense. And I don't think Jason Garrett's play calling necessarily helps because the play calling, mainly the route concepts, do not maximize yards after catch. We complained about that a lot last season. It seemed like it's reared its ugly head a little bit in this game. Then again, I don't want to bash him for it just because I don't have the All-22 and I don't know exactly what those safeties were doing because I'm going off of a broadcast angle. So hopefully we get that All-22 soon. But overall, it was a disappointing game from the New York Giants. There will be more analysis on this game on the Chris and Joe Show, and Valentine will be providing his thoughts on this feed. I will also be on the Chris and Joe Show. It will be a lot of fun. So before we get into the rest of the NFL, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: NFL Week 1. It was a relatively odd NFL Week 1 because we had a lot of upsets. It seemed like the spread didn't do as well, as, or the money line didn't do as well, if you're uh, not a contrarian, because Pittsburgh ended up going to Buffalo, defeating Buffalo. Arizona ended up going to Tennessee and just absolutely beating the brakes off Tennessee. Philadelphia ended up going to Atlanta and beating Atlanta between the battle of the rookie coaches, Nick Sirianni getting his victory over Arthur Smith. Houston ends up hosting Jacksonville. Everyone thought Jacksonville was going to win this game, but Houston surprised them and absolutely embarrassed Urban Meyer. And there's reports coming out from CBS Sports, Jason Locke, and Fora that there was a lot of just a, a disgruntled nature in the locker room and Urban Meyer was being divisive. So I don't know how true that is, but that's not a great look for Urban Meyer. It seems like it just hasn't been a great start down there in Jacksonville for that specific rookie head coach. Cincinnati hosted Minnesota. Minnesota, ostensibly, is a better football team their defense should be improved because they have a lot of returning players who opted out from COVID they signed Dalvin Tomlinson they have Daniel Hunter coming back but Cincinnati and Joe Burrow were able to earn that victory in overtime in a game where they there were a lot of punts in overtime there were a lot of possessions Dalvin Cook put the football on the ground and then allowed the Cincinnati Bengals to get in the field goal range to secure a dub and then we also had the New Orleans Green Bay game which was really wild to think about I mean New Orleans they have so much going on with the hurricane that hit that city they had to play this game in Jacksonville and they host the Green Bay Packers so it's a road game for them but the Packers are a team that win about 13 games every year and they traveled down to Jacksonville and got annihilated by Jameis Winston and Sean Payton 38-3 that is, that is a big beatdown right there for for this Saints team. I mean, Jameis Winston was very efficient. He only completed 14 passes. Five of them were touchdowns for 148 yards. Alvin Kamara had 83 yards on the ground. And these touchdown passes went to Juwan Johnson had two. Chris Hogan had one. I mean, what year is this? And then Alvin Kamara had another. Deontay Johnson had a 55-yard long. It didn't even go to Marquez Callaway, who everybody was talking up this offseason. He only had a catch For 14 yards, probably drawing some Jair Alexander, who is a shut down corner. But this offense for the Green Bay Packers just could not get going. Aaron Rodgers only threw for 133 yards. We know the Saints defense is stout up front. Although they don't have David Anyamada out there right now who is out who was out for this game, but it didn't matter because the Saints just absolutely embarrassed the Green Bay Packers. And in my Monday morning NFL column that happens to hit Big Blue View. I have the Packers as one of the losers. Now, I don't want to put just, you know, teams as losers and winners every time when it's just easy to say so. The Packers were not expected. They were favored in this game. They were not expected to lose this way, in this manner. Aaron Rodgers, we know about all the all the off season headlines that happen, is he gonna come back? Is he gonna be a packer? Is he retiring? Is he gonna be the host of Jeopardy? Like what's going on? Comes back and it seems like there's still some rumblings about that going on. Not necessarily that specific situation, but there could be distractions or just situations that um spawn from the distractions to lead to this slow start because I mean Aaron Jones had five carries in this game for nine yards. I mean that's that's terrible. I mean the Saints Saints defense just absolutely commanded this game and there could be offensive line issues that just crop up from a game like this because we know that David Bakhtiari, who is on the IR right now for the Green Bay Packers, one of the best left tackles in the league. Corey Lindsley is now on the Los Angeles Chargers. He was a Pro Bowl center for the Packers, so they lost a lot along the offensive line. I'm curious to see how this kind of plays out through the through the rest of the year. And now I, I still think Green Bay is going to be a good team, a playoff team. They have the reigning MVP. But it, it's um it was really, 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 really surprising to see this in week one. We also saw some Jordan Love, who was five for seven for 68 yards. Now, one of the winners that I had was actually Miami, because the Miami Dolphins won this game up in Foxboro, 17-16, division win. The Jets lose to the Carolina Panthers. Now that's, you know, they're the Jets, whatever, but they're still. There's still a a division team that you don't want to creep up there. They lost 14-19. It was competitive down the stretch. Sam Darnold got, I guess, the revenge on his old team. Zach Wilson struggled a little bit, but found Corey Davis for two touchdowns. But anyways. Miami ends up winning this game 17-16 against the New England Patriots. But what's awesome is the Bills lost at home to Pittsburgh 23-16, to which makes Miami the only team with a victory in the AFC East. And I know you're probably saying, dude, it's so damn early. Like, what are you talking about? But getting a victory on the road, Bill Belichick against a young quarterback in Tua Tonga-Vailoa, up in New England, you get that win, and you get the benefit of the Pittsburgh Steelers upsetting Buffalo, which wasn't upset. Everyone thought Buffalo was going to win that game. You remember what happened last year when these two teams met up. Josh Allen carved the Steelers up. Not this game. Not at all. But Miami gets this win, and they did it in an ugly fashion. They forced a fumble against Damian Harris. It was a defensive game, 17-16. to 16. Damian Harris puts the ball on the ground after having 100 yards on the ground, but he puts the football on the ground. Miami is able to hold on to the victory and not allow Bill Belichick and this Mac Jones-led offense to push the ball down at the field goal range to secure a dub at home. Mac Jones, from what I saw in the game, he looked okay. He was 29 of 39 for 281 yards and a touchdown, finding a lot of James White out of the backfield, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, and Damian Harris all had multiple Reception, so he's spreading the wealth, spreading the ball. Tua found Jalen Waddle a couple times downfield. I saw one 36-yard catch where Waddle climbed the ladder over the top of a cornerback and looked really, really impressive on that one play. So I thought that was a uh, pretty intriguing because we've seen some of these young receivers actually play really well we saw Devonta Smith have an excellent game for the Philadelphia Eagles and I think that's important to bring up because a lot of people see the Philadelphia Eagles as the doormat of the NFC East I don't think that's the way we should be looking at it quickly pivoting off that take after Jalen Hurts had 27 completions for 35 attempts for 264 yards and three touchdowns against this Atlanta Falcons defense that's porous it's not a good defense they're not a good team but neither are the Eagles Neither are the Eagles, right? And the Eagles, Nick Sirianni, first head coaching gig, 32-6 victory down there in Atlanta. Miles Sanders able to establish the run a little bit. Kenneth Gainwell got in there as well. And then Devonta Smith. I mean, we were talking about Jalen Waddle before. Smith had six catches for 71 yards and a tutty on eight targets. Jalen Rager had six for 49 and a tutty on six targets. Caught all six of his passes. And I got to be honest with you, they looked pretty good in this game. I was watching Red Zone during the 1 o'clock Eastern Time slate. And I saw a little bit of that Eagles game. It seemed like their offense was clicking. Jalen Hurts was picking up yardage with his legs. He had seven carries for 62 yards. Their receivers were getting open against this Atlanta Falcons. Again, they're not a good team, but against this Atlanta Falcons defense. And it was odd to me that the Eagles defense clamped Atlanta down so heavily because the opening drive, Calvin Ridley, who had five catches for 51 yards in this game, had three catches for about 40 of those yards in that opening drive. And it seemed like matt ryan and and the falcons offense was just going to tear through the eagles defense and that didn't happen at all down the for the rest of the game all. The only thing that happened was Young-Wei Koo had two field goals in the first half, and then it was all Eagles after that. So it's something to definitely pay attention to. I mean, Washington ended up losing, and they have a short week playing the New York Giants on Thursday night football. They lost their quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who had an injury in that game, and it seems like he's going to be questionable to play. I mean, there were, there were a couple injuries— in this slate on this game week one jerry judy in the giants game is probably one of the more notable ones it looks like that could be a serious one but i guess we'll wait to see what the mri says but washington ends up losing to justin herbert and the chargers and i think that is important for the giants just because washington is a division rival but the chargers are a west coast team coming east for a one o'clock start justin herbert hasn't played in front of a crowd especially a a a uh, an opponent's crowd since he was the quarterback at Oregon so it, it's kind of new for him there's a new head coach and Brandon Staley and guess what they're able to earn this victory I mean Taylor Heineke went in there he didn't look bad he was 11 of 15 for 122 yards and a touchdown Ryan Fitzpatrick he got hurt early in this game the offense for the Washington football team it wasn't great but it was able to run the ball at least a little bit Antonio Gibson had 20 carries for 90 yards A long of 27 yards, that's not super long. So it seemed like they were moving the football down the field a little bit here and there. But the Chargers won the turnover battle, and they were just unstoppable, it seemed like, on offense. Specifically, Keenan Allen, who had nine catches for 100 yards. On every pivotal third down, I would look up and I would see Keenan Allen catching a really, really important pass. That's why the Chargers were 14 of 19 on third down. That's incredible. Washington was 3 of 10. So Chargers just kept the clock moving and then ended up squeaking out a tight victory against a good team here. Now, Washington has this short week. We'll see if Ryan Fitzpatrick plays. Giants, I mean, they. it's going to be primetime Giants, which could be really, really embarrassing for the Giants, but the Giants could also show, hey, that was it was a fluke. We're better than that. Let's go down to Washington on this short week and earn a victory against a really, really uh. Talented defense, talented coaching staff, I would say. Daniel Jones hasn't lost to the football team yet in his career, but Thursday could be a long day for this Giants team if they don't figure out their offensive woes. And I think another game that is worth noting, since we're not going to go through every single game, is just the Arizona Cardinals going to Tennessee and beating the crap out of Ryan Tannehill for six sacks, Five of them were from Chandler Jones. Yeah, that's five sacks for Chandler Jones. Setting, or tying, I should say, the record for the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, that was set last year against the Giants, whoopee, when Hassan Reddick came back to Jersey and sacked Daniel Jones five times. But Chandler Jones was all over Ryan Tannehill. I mean, five sacks, a 38-13 to victory where Kyler Murray was 21 of 32, for 289 passing yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. okay. And then 5 for 20 and a tutty on the ground. Kyler Murray was doing everything. Found Christian Kirk and DeAndre Hopkins both for two touchdowns through the air. Hopkins was, just looked phenomenal in this game. Just the way he was moving. The way he was finding the end zone. The way he was using his body at the catch point. Just vintage DeAndre Hopkins. He's about 29 years old now. He ain't losing no step. At least it did not seem like that whatsoever. Another game I want to bring up. touched on it a little bit. Joe Burrow. Good on you, bro. Good on you. You're able to get that victory at home against a talented coaching staff and a team that presumably should be better than the Cincinnati Bengals and the Minnesota Vikings, but they weren't in this game. And Burrow was 20 of 27 for 261 yards and two touchdowns. One of Jamar Chase, one of T. Higgins. Jamar Chase breaking out of that off-season slump that he was in He had five catches for 101 yards in this game on seven targets so i'm happy for jamar chase i'm happy to see joe mixon used as the three down back that he's capable of being 29 carries for 127 yards and a touchdown had four ta- targets caught all four for 23 yards and then this game went to overtime cincinnati they got a little bit lucky with that dalvin cook fumble that i mentioned before But they're able to get this victory. That's a big victory for Zach Taylor and this coaching staff in a very, very competitive. Uh, division, I guess you could say. I mean, the Browns lost to the Chiefs in this game. That's going to happen when you play the Chiefs. They played them really, really well, but it was a 33 to 29 victory for Kansas City and Pat Mahomes. And then the Steelers ended up getting that road victory against the Bills, which is a gigantic win, 23 to 16. Because Pittsburgh looked like crap in the first half of that game when they couldn't establish the run whatsoever. The Bills defense was all over. Pittsburgh in that game, and it seemed like it was just going to be one of those nasty kind of games where the Bills just break it open in the second half, and that didn't happen at all. And it's wild when you look at it because Josh Allen threw the ball 51 times. The Bills controlled the ball significantly more than Pittsburgh. Buffalo won the turnover battle. Buffalo had more total yards, but they couldn't convert. And when you can't convert, what happens? You don't win football games. When you just have to settle for field goal after field goal, when you have dumb fumbles, because your offensive line can't hold up. And all these things ended up happening for Buffalo. And then, obviously, the big play. The blocked punt touchdown that ended up happening for Buffalo when it was 4th and 12. And, obviously, the Buffalo Bills are going to punt in that situation. They go to punt, it's blocked, return for a touchdown. And that's a huge play. I mean, that was a 14-point swing in 7 plays because Pittsburgh made the score 13-10 to and gave the ball back... To Josh Allen and the Bills. They went three and out. The defense special teams blocked the punt, resulting in a Pittsburgh touchdown, and that was really the turning point of that game. I mean, you just got to be better on all three phases of playing football. You have to execute on special teams. There was a blown assignment in Buffalo, and kudos to Pittsburgh getting a really, really tough road victory. But this was an exciting week one. I mean, there were a couple high scoring teams out there. I mean, you had Kansas City, New Orleans, and the Rams all scored over 30 points. You had San Francisco score over 40 points. and They still almost lost that game. Arizona and Houston scored over 30 points. Tampa Bay back on Thursday night football scored over 30 points. And the Giants scored 13 points. Really kind of only seven if we're going to look at it and be honest. But that's beside the point let's hope that team figures it out i don't want to be a huge pessimist it's week one there's 16 more games to go it's a lot of football to be played it's just this jason garrett led offense with daniel jones who's been a roller coaster on an offensive line that is kind of suspect it's not something that inspires hope at this point they haven't earned that let's hope they figure it out there's a lot of new pieces that miss training camp if you want to be positive Kenny Galladay's the Kadarius Tony who had two touches in this game one was kind of a drive killer if we're going to be honest it was really really obvious the ball was going to him on a touch pass to the boundary with Von Miller being blocked by Kyle Rudolph on like a chip block basically being a re-defender with the play I guess you could call it a play action to the running back the fake handoff to the running back and that didn't work at all but that's regardless it's beside the point there's a lot of good football here okay lot of offense let's hope the Giants can find some of that offense that would be great but uh, that's that's about it for this show I just wanted to kind of touch on some of the bigger storylines from this game bring up some of the more interesting things that happened throughout this game I think uh, a lot of good storylines some bad ones as well and we'll see what week two holds and it obviously kicks off with the New York Giants traveling down to Washington to play the football team so let's see how that goes on national television. Alrighty, everybody. This is Nicholas Folato. You are listening to Big Blue View Radio. Please subscribe, comment, check out the website, see what we're all doing. We have great staff there. Ed Valentine has a good show. Please listen to it. It's called Valentine's Views. Please listen to the Chris and Joe show as well. Everyone, take care, be safe, and let's go Giants.